This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters, where we talk all things property, whether it's local, whether it's national or sometimes international, if we find something that's of particular interest. A little bit of rental market news and a little bit of general property sales news. We're going to start first of all with a recap of a couple of articles in last week about the New Zealand property market because... There's been a lot of conjecture about what's going to happen now that uh, COVID-19 is all the restrictions have been lessened off and what effects uh, people losing jobs, etc. will have in the markets. But this article from Stuff under the uh, real estate section talks about a headline that's New Zealand property market surprisingly positive. So there's plenty of doom and gloom scenarios out there with regards to the likes of the banks that have been saying a 10 to 15% drop in the sales market is possible. Managing Director of Auckland's largest real estate firm, Barfoot & Thompson, that's Peter Thompson, said his company's sales in the last two weeks were ahead of figures during the same period last year, with median prices in May at $914,000, only slightly below the March peak of nine twenty-five. He says the market has rebounded really well, but we say that with caution. Some sales made immediately after lockdown were from people who had sold but hadn't bought, and some were sales prior to COVID that had not settled, and in some cases people's circumstances had changed with border restrictions. He thinks that as we come out of June, we're still going through a bit of an unsure time and that economists predicted that house prices will drop somewhere between 5% and 15% this year, prompted by the falling gross domestic product, the mortgage holidays coming to an end, unemployment rising and tighter household budgets. But let's flip that round a bit. There are plenty of positive factors at play as well, including low interest rates, a government spend up and the general resilience of our financial system. Economist Tony Alexander said people seemed to have a more optimistic outlook than expected in a recession. This is important in the real estate market where attitudes drive decisions. And that's something we have to be a bit careful about here in Manawatu. You see, the news that forecasts these drops is normally based on the market as a whole nationally. But let's face it, I think it's fairly obvious that certain areas will drop in terms of house prices more than others. Let's take a look at uh, Queenstown, unfortunately, uh, what's going to happen there. Also, Auckland will drop um, somewhat as well. But Manawatu, from all accounts and from the people that I've been talking to generally in the community, is very busy. A lot of people moving here. Uh, Prices are still rising. The sales market has returned to being very busy, albeit not quite as busy as it was, and likewise with the rental market. So really it's just a case of waiting to see what happens when the likes of these wage subsidy payments and so forth come to an end. And I've seen an announcement from 
the warehouse group, for example, of a thousand jobs um, needing to be cut across a combination of the stores that they own, including Noel Leeming. So one would expect that the areas with the largest uh, potential drop in GDP is largely related to tourism. And so that's where it's going to be interesting to see what happens in those areas. And we'll have to see how things go now for the remainder of the year in some of those areas like Queenstown, etc. So the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand late last week launched a new residential confidence report which aims to understand the impact COVID-19 has had on the housing market and to track how the market is recovering. So the report will be based on weekly activity in the housing market which aims to look at different factors in the market that indicate the level of confidence seen across the residential real estate profession and will be issued monthly until there's a clearer picture of how the real estate market has responded to COVID-19. So the Rhine's Residential Confidence Report for April has shown that activity in the real estate industry was extremely subdued due to COVID-19. I know, for example, in uh, Palmerston North, I think it was, sales were down 92%. So there was about a quarter of sales across the country during um, this, this period of time in April under COVID. However, what's going to be interesting with this report is how things recover. And Bindi Norwell, the chief executive of the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, has said that while confidence is important for those working in the real estate profession, confidence in residential property is also closely linked to consumer spending patterns, borrowing behaviour and other activities, such as the individual's ability to pay off debt or to make investment decisions. And therefore we felt it was important to start measuring how some of the metrics that impact confidence have been performing. So I've got some really unusual uh, stats here with regards number of properties selling, etc., because of that April being the first month that they have recorded this. Uh, the da- median days to sell a house increased, of course, because we simply weren't able to, and the sales count uh, dropped right down. In fact, uh, in the week starting April 26th, just 213 sales, the norm is about 1800. So I think things are down there, but uh, this will creep back up fairly quickly, I would expect. Uh, median sales price, again, April isn't a good, good indication, and um, really it's showing that, uh, per, and it shows it per week. Uh, the last week, from which we have here, the 26th of April, uh, was median house price 732,000, which was up considerably, but the stats can really mess that up. Also, of course, some fairly obvious things, the number of auctions were down during that time as people could not attend. But what is interesting is that the number of new listings is really showing early growth. Let's track the first uh, few weeks of May. End of April, 432 new listings. A week later, 1,211. The week after that, 1,744. So it'll be good to see how this continues onwards. And uh, the number of new listings normally would be close to 2,900. So 1,700, it's getting back to people putting homes on the market. And um, and as, as things carry on, it leads to the next article really, which was by Tony Alexander on stuff. Spending plans drop except in the house market, housing market. And that's what the uh, title says. 
So it seems that young people have not been scared away from the housing market by spreading job losses and some forecasts of big price design uh, decline. So this is an opinion piece by Tony Alexander. He says, when the country went into lockdown on March 26th, something we knew would happen with virtually all measures of economic activity would be that they would get worse, a lot worse. And then once lockdown ended, those would recover and some sectors might experience well above average levels of activity. So he's done a survey of his weekly publications readers a month ago asking people to indicate whether they plan to spend more or less over the coming three to six months. As a general result, people were looking at spending more on home renovations, um, gardening tools and supplies and groceries. (laughs) So that's really to do with what people were doing during that time. Um, However, uh, a net 19% said they would cut spending on travel, 18% motor vehicles, 14% eating out, 10% clothing and footwear, and 9% on furniture and appliances. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. What they did find, though, in the in the plans that uh, people under 30 years of age, a net 22% said they would look to spend more on investment properties. So interesting there that uh, young people are... are um, interested in building wealth, which is uh, uh, certainly property as a vehicle to do that. The buyers continue to remain engaged, according to Tony Alexander, and interested in the market. So uh, again, localised here, I think the market is going to continue to be busy. And here's one example of an article that goes somewhat to explain why. And this is to do with many of the projects that are um, happening currently, for example, Teratea Wind Farm, etc., the uh, Arena Manawatu upgrade, the ones that are currently under underway, uh, and then those that are soon to be underway as well. So this article from uh, the Manawatu Standard says, Manawatu Gorge replacement project will bring houses and jobs. So up to 55 new homes and 20 fully trained apprentices could be part of the legacy from building the Tiahu Aturanga Manawatu Gorge Replacement Highway. New Zealand Transport Agency Project Manager Lonnie Dalzell and People and Culture Manager Mark Long told Palmer's North City Councils the project would deliver more than just a road. Long said the $620 million project was stepping beyond traditional approaches to involve iwi and local people. There would be a locals first employment approach with specialists brought in from other areas where necessary to build skills. The goal is to employ 65% locals with 20 apprenticeships available, at least 15 of which should be able to be completed by the time the project is over in December 2024. So it's a great thing for young people in this area or people who are recently out of a job and looking for a new career. The project partners were also aware Palmas North already had a housing shortage and wanted to ensure workers who needed to relocate to Manawatu did not displace local residents. Long said negotiations were already underway with developers of five new houses to speed up the process. The goal was to help get a total of 55 new homes built and ready. And Councillor Lorna Johnson said it was really positive to hear the project would also have positive social aspects. She said the housing and workforce benefits would provide the region with greater capacity once the project was completed. 
Mayor Grant Smith said the new highway was much bigger than just a road linking Ashurst and Woodville. It would be the connection between the western and central North Island with the east and be significant for moving people and goods. But he said he is pleased that there will be an emphasis on local spin-offs. He says in the past a workforce was just bought in that leaves. If we can get some legacy value from this, it's a real positive. So just a bit of an update there as well. A bit of uh, news from slightly outside our region, uh, Taranaki. The average asking price in Taranaki reached a record high in May. So they quote in this article Emma Taylor being not surprised the average asking price of Taranaki Homes had an all-time high in May. She's a sales consultant and says the last few weeks have been absolute chaos. Sales website realestate.co.nz says the average asking price for the region was 504887 in May, the highest it has been since records began in 2007, and an increase of 16.3% when compared to the same time last year. Taylor, who works for Harcourts, put it down to people having time to reflect during lockdown on what they really wanted to achieve. It's interesting that things are still going along really well in terms of the regions. And it's probably just, a, again, supply and demand. And Taranaki as well, a bit cheaper than some of the other regions uh, around the country. This article comes from the stuff.co.nz lifestyle section. Changing tack a little bit here. And this is an article saying, why do thousands of New Zealanders still shiver in their homes? I don't know about you, but uh, you know, sometimes it gets a bit chilly around the place. And why do you, this says, why do thousands of New Zealanders still shiver in their homes, put up with numb hands and feet, and wake to streaming window panes in the middle of winter? The answer, according to Paul Gorman, the reporter says, Kiwi stoicism, stupidity of design and the expense of doing something about it on homes built more than a couple of decades ago. So more recently constructed homes have had to meet stricter insulation standards and are far warmer and drier than much of the country's older building stock. For those renting what feels like a deep freeze, there is good news and there are now tougher requirements on landlords to insulate their properties, of course, as well as uh, the upcoming heating, uh, draft-stopping moisture reduction and so forth. And for those who meet the criteria, the Energy Efficiency and Conservation Authority runs the Warmer Kiwi Homes Programme and grants grants up to two-thirds of the cost of sealing and underfloor insulation still and also up to $2,500 uh, for heaters. So if you were interested in that, just Google the Warmer Kiwi Homes Program and see if you can qualify. However, just at the moment, uh, the program is on ice due to the COVID-19 crisis. So uh, that's just something to be aware of there. Eco-design advisor Nelson Lebo, and he's a, a local um, here in Palmerston North, he, he's got uh, some tips for heating your home over winter. And um, and you can uh, not only he says that the homes are built without ceiling wall or underfloor insulation. Some were designed and built as if they're in the northern hemisphere, facing totally the wrong direction to catch the southern hemisphere sun. So Nelson Lebo has uh, created, and it's available on the Palmer's North City Council website. I'm pretty sure guidelines around how you can warm your home. Uh, with regards to just uh, things you can do day-to-day that can help live a bit healthier. If you are uh, renting a property and you're unsure, 
uh, or if you own a property or own a rental property and you're unsure if your insulation meets standards, uh, you can get reports from a number of companies, I won't mention any names on air, that can do a, a relatively low cost report just to help you understand that. Now we're going to have a little break now for some music here on Property Matters. You're with Greg Watson. Um, I have in my past enjoyed a bit of blues. This isn't quite blues, but this is BB King playing with you two when love comes to town.
And that's you too with BB King. Love that music. Love some of that blues infused in there with U2's pop. This is Greg Watson. You're listening to Property Matters, the show where we talk all things property. We're going to move on now to we're talking a little bit about the supply and the demand in the marketplace. But this article from stuff.co.nz is headlined Overseas Kiwi Plan Kiwis Plan to Buy Homes in NZ Sooner Than They Thought. So plenty of Kiwis abroad are actually investigating the prospect of buying property back home. A number of real estate agents and a moving company having reported increased offshore inquiries while online traffic data set up for realestate.co.nz and Immigration New Zealand's Buying a Home page. Valentina Avacelia, a New Zealand citizen who has lived in Argentina for the past 12 years, said COVID-19 was the last straw for her. She intends to buy in New Zealand and move back later this year. I know the interest rates, she says, are at a historic low, so I gather it's a good time to buy. And she said New Zealand's lack of new COVID-19 cases showed it was a safe place to be now and in the future. And in Argentina, of course, they've had nearly 500 deaths and more than 13,000 cases. Another New Zealander, Penny Keat, who had lived in various countries over the last 20 years and in South Africa for the past five, said COVID-19 had made her consider bringing forward New Zealand retirement plans. It's made her more aware of the need for better medical facilities, which she felt New Zealand offered. So really there's, uh, and they then go through the article, talk about, uh, or talk to agents uh, from, for example, Bailey's in Christchurch, who say there's about a 50-50 mix in people inquiring from overseas and locally. Now this is mirrored somewhat uh, from a jump in inquiries with Harcourt's Grenadier Chief Executive Robert McCormack saying, in the week before the Level 4 announcement, just under 16% of the website's traffic came from overseas. When New Zealand went logged down, that figure jumped to 24%. So really interesting that uh, people are uh, deciding that maybe New Zealand's a pretty good place to be, which is what, of course, we already know. Bit of international news here, and this is one that's worth looking up on the internet. So it's always a bit hard to describe uh, pictures on the radio, but this is an article saying, Inside the $28 million Las Vegas Underground Doomsday Mansion. What a headline. Inside the $28 million Las Vegas Underground Doomsday Mansion. This was on stuff.co.nz. And uh, imagine if you looked up Doomsday Mansion, you'll find it. Have you... And if you've ever wondered about what it would be like to live in an underground home originally built as a bomb shelter, uh, really you've got to see a picture of this. It's incredible. In 1978, the businessman and Avon Cosmetics executive Gerard Henderson built one of the most luxurious doomsday bunkers in Las Vegas, years after Americans were scrambling to find safe shelter during the Cold War and Cuban Missile Crisis in the 50s and 60s. It was common at the time to build backyard or basement shelters stocked with supplies to survive a possible missile attack. But as years went by, the threat of an atomic bomb war became a distant memory and most of the bomb shelters were turned into playrooms, food storage or simply abandoned. And now this, uh, Mr Henderson's unique home is up for $28 million. Now what is, it's basically a house built, an actual house built inside a bunker which is incredibly well lit to give the appearance of night and day. Uh, The 5,000 square foot house has grounds and amenities and they were all built inside a 15,000 square foot steel reinforced bunker. It is listed, if you wanted to look it up, by Nevada real estate agency Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway. 
Amid the coronavirus, people are once again trying to find the best and safest place during the outbreak, according to uh, top10realestatedeals.com. And the outlet said the Las Vegas bunker home may be the perfect place to ride out the 2020 pandemic and have fun doing it. Why would you have fun? Well, it has its 1970s-styled kitchen, five bedrooms, six bathrooms, a great room, stone fireplaces, a games room, a theatre room, according to the outlet. The master suite has vaulted beam ceilings and a hideaway television console at the foot of the bed that rises with the push of a button. It also has a generator and a 3,800-litre water tank. But the most unique part of the bunker, and what I actually love about it myself, is the outdoor space, which is filled with artificial grass, fake trees, a swimming pool, and a barbecue disguised as a boulder. There are hand-painted murals in the outdoor area, which use lighting to simulate night and day, and you have views of the mountains, valleys, and woods. And as well as that, if you wanted to, you could have a jetliner view over Las Vegas. Mansion also has two jacuzzis, a sauna, a putting green, a nightclub with a bar and dance floor and a guest house. Now incredibly it has cell phone reception, cable and internet below ground, um, air conditioning units replaced amongst other infrastructure upgrades. So if we're uh, considering somewhere to ride out the COVID-2020 virus that's well worth looking up the Doomsday Shelter, $28 million Doomsday Shelter in Las Vegas. Uh, back home now, and uh, this article about Airbnb property owners switching to long-term rentals. Owners of Airbnb properties are switching to longer-term renting as tourism slumps following the coronavirus pandemic. We haven't seen too much of this here in the Manawatu, as we're not a huge tourist destination. But Auckland-based Airbnb property manager Zodiac had lost more than a third of its clients since the pandemic. Managing Director Stefan Nikolic said before the lockdown it managed 80 Airbnb apartments in Auckland Central Business District, but 30 of the properties have been lost since the pandemic hit. So normally they have 300 bookings a month, but that dropped to 60 bookings, cutting their profits by 70%. Nikolic says, I thought there would be more interest after lockdown, people are keen to get out and do some travelling. There are some bookings, but definitely not the kind of massive resurgence I was hoping for. So his former customers are holding on to their investment properties, but they're now looking to the long-term rental market or choosing to manage their properties on Airbnb themselves to save on fees. It's certainly a market that's a toughie, completely understanding, uh, understandable that people would want to uh, change that back. Airbnb is trying to help uh, with regards to a recently announced $250 million fund to help accommodation hosts impacted by COVID-19-related cancellations and as well as a $17 million super host relief fund that's been largely personally funded by our founders. So interesting there. Uh, I'm actually heading away to Airbnb in a couple of weekends' time up in Auckland, and I'm going to sit there, read a book, relax, and look out over the waterfront. So that should be nice. You can get some pretty good prices at the moment. And that's all we've got time for this week. This is Property Matters with Greg Watson. Really appreciate your company, and I look forward to bringing this show to you again next week here on Manawatu People's Radio or where all good podcasts can be found. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.